Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. I'm Lydia Long, and for the season of Advent, we will be bringing you some special episodes. These Christmas and Advent themed episodes will feature conversations with friends and families of Life Church. I believe we all have amazing stories that we're meant to share, and in sharing our stories, we all grow. We pray that these conversations are meaningful for you and that they may help bring you some peace and some inspiration through this Christmas season. Today's conversation is with James Kitchen, the State Director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. As we're about to enter this first week of Advent, James and I talk about the idea of preparation, hope, and promise, and how these Advent themes have tied into his life, his family, and his role at FCA. James, thank you so much yeah. for coming and spending time with us and trying this little experiment over Christmas and Advent. Awesome. Glad to be here. Really excited to talk yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. For those of our friends that um, don't know anything about you, would you just take a minute to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, I'll take a little bit because I could keep going, right? Um, so my name is James. My, my wife is Sarah, three kids, Life Church members. Um, I was part of the old crew with Pastor Tom years back at the Vineyard. And then when the Vineyard merged with Life Church, Life Church became our home. Um, but I'd been doing some sports ministry with Pastor Tom. Um, under a different ministerial name. And then we switched it to what's called FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And this was, man, pushing 10 years ago now, I guess. And it was literally like paraffin to a naked flame. The ministry started to take off. It's a well-established ministry back on the East Coast. People started to want it. So the church, essentially when the merge happened, um, I guess the best way I can describe it is Life Church launched me full-time into FCA ministry. And since then, we've been adding staff, growing staff, growing our region. I oversee the whole state now, um, as well as uh, help coordinate part of Western Europe. So, uh, yeah, I'm a full-time sports ministry minister. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. Before we dive into everything FCA, which I want to spend some time talking about what you guys have been doing. You've done a couple of Pursue Power Camps yep. here on property, which has been super awesome to be a part of that. So I'd love to dive into all that. But before... We get to that whole side. Uh, I know a little bit of your background. You've spent a lot of time in a lot of different parts of the globe. Yep, so I'm wondering, correct. just a quick second, if you could just share a little bit about where you've been, maybe what you've learned from the different cultures you've been a part of, and just travel in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I was real fortunate growing up. I have one sibling. Um, that's not why I was fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, both my parents were teachers. So they made a conscious decision to be teachers growing up in England. Um, they would get the extended uh, summer break. So essentially, I remember uh, every summer, we'd finish school on Thursday or Friday, and we'd be hitched up the caravan, our trailer, taking a ferry over to Europe for five, six weeks every summer. Um, so traveling was a big part of my life growing up in continental Europe. And then around 16, 17, I've only got a few aunts and uncles. They all emigrated to Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then... During college, uh, the university years, I would basically, every summer when I was off, I'd go down to New Australia and go to New Zealand and see them. I started playing soccer down there. And then when I was finished playing soccer at college, I moved back to Australia to play uh, soccer, and during which I was dating my wife, Sarah. And then we got married stateside and then went back to Australia again and went to Bible college down there for another 12 months. So it was this weird uh a uh, season in my life, especially for about a five, six-year period, where I was constantly going between Western Europe, Australia, and uh, West Coast United States. So uh, seeing the different cultures, um, 
definitely, you know, because there's a common language that unites, obviously, England, Australia, and the United States, culturally, could not be more different. Could not be more different. So having to be sensitive of who I'm talking to when I'm talking to, um, I, I learned that really early, and that's probably never more prevalent than it is right now in our current climate. Um, but culturally, uh, it was a it was a hard transition. I think now, you know, I've lived in Reno more than I lived anywhere else in my life. Um, I still think I'm uh, more European in my mindset. Yeah. Um, but uh, America's the culture is definitely our home, and raising kids in it is a real challenge because we come. At, my wife and I, Sarah, we come at things from a different perspective. So it's really important that we communicate our cultural differences. That's so good. That's such a great point too. Of how how do you guys, uh, I guess, as a family, and not to go too much into your family, yeah. wherever you want to take this, but um, how do you guys, as a family, kind of come together and have those conversations and work out the differences and find kind of the common ground? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we sit down and have a discussion and decide that Sarah was right. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah, I know. Smart. Right? Someone told me that when I was younger, when I was getting oh, married, no. and like, no, um, we have to be really intentional about it. Um, I've really learned that in in family life, but then also it crosses over into professional life. Assumption is a killer. Yes. It's just an absolute killer. Um, It's a killer with churches. It's a killer with businesses. Working with so many athletic teams, it's an absolute killer with athletic programs. In in marriage and the way that you communicate and then how you raise your kids, assumption is, I think it's one of those hidden seeds the devil plants that can just destroy a marriage. You know, so um, healthy communication, over-communicate, over-communicate with affirmation and, uh, you know, understanding. Um, If I know it's going to be something that is culturally a challenge for me, especially if it involves Sarah's greater family and vice versa, we've had to just really get on the same page to say, look, we're going to talk about it. It's not attack on your family or attack on my family. We're just going to sit down. We're going to talk about it. And at the end of the day, if we're on the same page, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So uh, we have to be very intentional in that and also knowing when to talk about it because sometimes like now's not the time. Um, but assumption, we've definitely had our challenges with that with raising kids because I just think, well, I'm going to raise, I'm going to talk to them about this situation, X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm coming up from a very British-driven upbringing. And the reality is my kids are not being raised in the British culture. There's values I want them to have, but we have to be intentional um, to make sure we're on the same page. And then when we are on the same page, that we continue to execute that in front of our kids. Otherwise, it, you know, it's, we're, we're really teeing them up for failure, which I think is a big problem in today's culture as well. So, I wanted to get into this to your work side and your FCA side, but since we're kind of just on family real quick, yeah. um, I've really had the opportunity to get to know your wife, Sarah, this year. It's been really awesome. And we've had a lot of discussions about um, Sabbath and this idea, the biblical practice of resting yep. and what that looks like. And I've been growing in that this year as well. And so really connected with your family. Just Would you speak just really briefly on um, how your family has been incorporating Sabbath, this idea of practice of resting together and resting as a family? Yeah, so it's very easy in uh, in any line of work, but especially in the in the ministerial work where you can justify being busy right it's we're going to work every day and then sunday well i'm i'm going to church anyway but you know it's it's taking this conscious rest you know i'm reminded by one of my mentors again and again that god didn't need to take a day he chose to 
and it's the importance of that. I mean, if we think God gets tired, like, <laughs> and, and so I was really grasping that concept that I may feel good and I may be not needing rest and my wife may not be needing rest. We have this concept that if you take a day of rest, it's like, it's because you're tired or you need it. Um, but it's really this focus of God actually wants you to take a day to spend with him because we're on mission the other days, right? It's like we're, everybody should be out of the, the great commission. We're on mission, but then God so desires to have a day where it's just you. So with three kids, we've had to be intentional with that. So all the household chores, everything gets done prior to, to Sunday. Um, during COVID, I think we, we entered into a real nice routine that everything was done. There was no work. Everything had to, to, to wait. And Sunday, we get up, we watch church, cook food together, and then just be intentional with the family. Um, and it was life-giving. It was life-giving. And it's a, it's a value that we hold really firmly to in our, in our FCA ministry. I, I will not allow my staff to not take a day. Um, I actually make them take two, one for just to be present with the kids and other Sabbath of the Lord. If they don't take their two days each week, then we have a problem, you know, so I really yeah. push that hard. Looking at FCA and your leadership over the past couple of years, um, not to rehash everything over the last couple of years, yeah. but what has changed? How have you spoken hope into what has kind of been just craziness of the last two years? How have you kept your team full of hope and just, um, yeah, healthy? I mean, you've already kind of touched on it, but what are some other ways that you've just increased hope and unity in your team? Yeah, so our team's actually grown during COVID. We've, we've had to hire or in the process of probably adding five more staff across the state. Um, and we just took this approach real early that COVID wasn't a shock to the Lord, you know, that it, he, he knew it was coming. Um, it was like a reset. We put all golden calves, what the ministry has been for 60 plus years on the altar and said, what does our community need here right now? Um, everything is on the table. Everything was on the table. And when I first started getting involved in FCA ministry, it was like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's like any, any kind of you dream big. But the kingdom is won by prayer. And like God loves to pivot and take a change of direction. And when things are so set in our ways, then sometimes we we miss our target. I remember reading or being at a session with Francis Chan one time and he said he got into ministry and he started here and God was calling him to here and the direction, he just got pulled away. He just got pulled away. And it was a steady curve and he felt like he was working for the kingdom. But where God wanted him to be, he had missed the target. And he had justified it. He had justified it. So for our staff, um, making them rest, you know, early in, in the last couple of years when everybody was put on lockdown, I said, this is self-investment time. You know, this is a going from the Psalms of David to say, search for me, oh Lord, like what's in me that needs to go away. So we basically cleaned house um, in every way possible, spiritually, like things that we were doing ministerially that were just like, what is the fruit of this? Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's have an honest assessment. Um, and then just really uplifting the staff and watching them thrive in that is really my greatest joy. Like we have an amazing staff now and they are go-getters. And I think the, the, the last two years has really acted as a catalyst to propel them further forward than they would have been even without COVID. 
So talk to us a little bit about the Pursue Camps because Life Church has kind of become more aware, I think, of these camps. And yep. th- and this is just one part of many uh, things that you guys are yeah, doing. Sure. So talk to us about that, maybe some fruit that's been coming out of that and kind of your guys' vision for those camps. Yeah, so the, these camps, you know, FCA traditionally, um, for people who don't know, was a ministry born out of the influence of professional and collegiate athletes. And in high schools, obviously, we neighbored the money here. The traditional model will be we go onto a campus, it's a lunchtime, there's 15, 20 minutes or so with kids. And then we have big summer camps that we pay money to send kids to UCLA or Sacramento State, wherever we do a camp at. This last two years really showed us this need where kids are just desperate for connection, right? And um, again, what's our golden calf? What's cost efficient for the masses? Now, I really cling to Andy Stanley where he says, do for one what you wish you could do for the masses, which I love that statement. And in this community, partnering with churches all around the city where we can do a power camp and have 100 kids, 150 kids, or whether it's 50 kids, it doesn't really matter. But our goal is to see kids live out their relationship in a local church, you see. And um, sometimes the, the gap from a high school or a middle school to a church the river, we, we call it, the stepping stones are still too far apart for a kid or family to land in. So if we can eliminate some of that and actually bring the sport to the church and get kids to come here, it's, that's our golden number. You know, I've, I've just over the years, we've, we've met, I've met dozens and dozens of people who said, oh, I was involved in the FCA back in Michigan or North Carolina. And I said, great, where do you go to church? And they don't. And that's really unacceptable to me. Um, we're not in this ministry for for kids to be FCA kids for the sake of it. We want to connect kids to the church. So if we can get kids to come to a campus, be challenged physically and spiritually, and really pass the baton to a church, which is Life Church, to say, hey, tag, you're it, then we're moving the process along quicker, more effectively. It's a service to the community, um, and we just love to serve the church. So it's a win-win-win for us. That's awesome. And so I know you are a lot of uh, higher up leadership, but you're still kind of, an- as far as I understand, you're still pretty hands-on with, you know, and your guys' demographic, like you just said, is kind of middle school through college. Is yep. that correct? Yeah. Yep. So, well, I'm pro sports in Vegas because we obviously Vegas too. So. Okay. Okay. Yes. That yep. makes sense. Um, so with that kind of young adult range, I think, I think a lot of us who maybe haven't been very involved with students are kind of um, worried about them right now. So what yeah. are some things that you're seeing? Um, you know, you just mentioned the need of connection, but, um, you know, with things being canceled and school being canceled and looking so different and the unstableness of what these students have kind of gone through, what's, what are some things that you're seeing as a big need for them right now? Um, and maybe some things that you've seen that has been awesome, like some attributes that are coming out of these students that you're seeing. So kind of the, what's the need? And then what is something different that you've been seeing coming out of these students? Yeah, it's a great question. Lydia. So firstly, I think this, there's this misconception, right, that um, schools are anti-faith. Schools are just very by the book in, in every area. Like, everybody's worried about a lawsuit. And there's ways for faith groups to operate within great parameters of legal, um, social, to be on campuses. And I've been asked numerous times, it must be really hard to be on campuses. And I'm like, it really isn't. It's not. Like, yeah. schools are very open to it. Um, the reality of what we see in kids and faculty um, from the high school to the collegiate age is that everybody's born looking for a savior. That's the reality of it. Jesus is highly appealing. We, 
often in the church world can go, man, only a few come. And that's true, you can you choose a scripture for that. But when you step onto a campus and you love people well, like Jesus did, we've never had anybody say, mm, stop loving us, right? Kids are desperate for it. Coaches are desperate for it. Professional athletes are desperate for it. And this last 12, 18 months has really just acted as the catalyst to manifest that in our culture even more. It's like we have so many people coming to FCA groups who are, they're desperate. They're desperate for a savior. And they're open to what you say, you know, I think Pastor Dave mentioned the other Sunday where he said, you know, I love your Jesus, I just don't like your people, right? Or something of that. Yep. Accord. And uh, yeah. that's really evident mm -hmm. right now. Um, kids are pulled so many different ways with what's right, what they can say, what they can't say, what should they say, that we actually see them disengaging out of fear. And when they see an opportunity to engage in love, they jump to it. They jump to it. And schools are a little bit more comfortable with going, hey, we need help with stuff. So if we just have to come from a servant perspective. Schools have never been more open to the gospel than they are right now. Kids have never been more open in my 15 years of doing sports ministry. They are, they are desperate for it from collegiate down. Um, they are looking for a, a place to call home, are looking for a place to belong, and they're looking to be loved. So it, it's, a, the, it's a prime time, honestly. Ministry has never been, outreach in our city has never been more open than it is right now, I would say. I'm thinking about the parent that's listening to this and saying, gosh, I didn't know they were doing all this stuff. How do I get my kid involved? What is kind of your next step for um, either parents plugging in to serve? I don't know if there's opportunities for them for that. And then also for their students to get involved. Yeah, so first they can go to our website and we have our staff contact details and people can free fill to contact any of our staff. They will tell you what we have at what school at any point because some semesters there's great um, attendance and others just scheduling wise it's difficult but our biggest challenge was come back to parents to say hey we we want you to be involved but we categorize kids into basically two areas are they an are they a an unsaved kid or are they a safe kid now if a kid is saved and the parent just goes i want to be involved in something at, at school that's great but we're going to challenge them to be on mission they're on mission on behalf of the local church now is there seasons where you know a baseball season FCA can scratch the itch to keep the kid connected at an arm's length to the church? Absolutely, but it's seasonal. Like ultimately, we want a kid to say, this is my church. And a, a coach to say, this is my church. And a parent say, this is my church. And likewise, we challenge the parents that way. Is that, yeah, if you want little Joe or little Sally at school to be involved in this team from an FCA perspective, great. But as a parent, when you attend games, you're also on mission for your local church. And we're really moving into that area to help equip parents. How do you have the conversations in the bleachers, in the parking lot, where I say, hey, I go to Life Church. This is an awesome church. Like, we'd love for you to come along. Come along. There's so many things the church offers for first-timers. Um, so I think it's really changing some of that perspective from parents and kids to go, FCA is just not one more thing for you. If you have a church home, then we're going to plug and play you from a missional perspective on behalf of your local church. For the non-believer who's just interested, like I said, we have so many things across the town and the city that they can get plugged into. Just give us a call. Uh, reach out and we'll say what we've got available. If it's not available at your school, we'll find a way to get it going. I mean, it's really, God provides the workers for this. So we are, we're in good shape.
what's something that for those of us, I mean, a lot of people at Life Church are already supporting FCA, but maybe what's the next, how, when we think of FCA, how can we pray for you? What is a need in the organization of FCA right now, um, specifically in our area, but just Nevada as a whole? Like, how can we come along and support you more or better, more efficiently? Yeah, and no, like I said everyone, prayer is a, a real key element. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to us when we say, hey, we pray for you for many church in town, it's a staff meeting or uh, people just dropping a Facebook message or a text or a call. Um, It can become a little cliche. Prayer can be cliche, you know, and we say, oh, we're praying for you. And it's like, are you really? Yeah. You know, we've all done it. When when did you? (laughs) Yeah. Can I get a time and date stamp on that? (laughs) Uh, um, But we really feel that from from Life Church. And we're entering into a new season. FCA has, has never been, in my time, as sweet of a spot as we are in right now. We've got new directors in positions, multiple staff, new staff coming on. I mean, I'm basically getting job applications for people every week, and we're not even really advertising for new positions. Um, so from a church perspective, things like the power camp, creating a, a, a culture of we are ready to receive the athletic community or non-believers. I mean, I think our last camp we had here from the hundred. 90 plus registrations, I believe only like 30% of them were church families. So it's how do we connect with that? How do we cross that void with an extension of the arm? Um, and just being really open. We, so our new season is to really serve the church in a, in a new way. What can we do for the church? How can we help connect those stepping stones across the river? And then the church really having an awareness when athletes and coaches and kids come to go, these are probably, if they're coming from FC, they're probably either a very new believer or a non-believer. We have had kids and, and coaches from high school and college over the years go to a church and go, man, I, I just couldn't connect, you know? So I think it's an awareness for the, the churches in our community to go, when visitors come, they're not yet churched. So just be, be aware of that, you know? So that's a big thing for us because... Athletes and coaches are very closed off, really, on the whole. They're very pack-like, communal-like. They stick to their own. So this, they're, they're putting themselves out there to go, man, this is a new family. Like, I'm not necessarily comfortable with this. So just that awareness. Um, but that takes education too, right? It's, it's very easy to go, man, you know, a church is unaware of this. Well, it's our job as FCA to, to point out a blind spot. So that's what we try and do. And Life Church is, is amazing with this. You know, they're always asking, how can we help? How can we serve? And um, opening up the facility, whatever's needed. You know, Life Church is one of the few churches in town who will call us and say, what do we need? What do you want? Which is an amazing gift and blessing. But um, really the tip of the iceberg, we've got a long way to go, but we're excited. So we're, this episode is airing right before we enter the first week of Advent. And so this first week, talking a lot about preparation, preparing our hearts for this Christmas season, preparing um, our hearts and minds just for remembering Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus um, coming, this expectation, anticipation. And I was thinking about, I'm not an athlete. I was going to come with like sports facts and like, but I was like, he'll see right through me. He'll know. I'm not, I don't know. But I know enough. Sports facts from Sarah. She she knows. (laughs) But I, I know that a lot of it is preparation. There's so much for athletes, for sports teams. There's so much preparation and hard work that goes into, you know, a sporting event or a game that only lasts a couple hours. But what we don't see, you know, behind that game are 
the whole week of all the hours of practice and hard work. So where do you see this idea of preparation? It could even be for running this nonprofit um, preparation. Just where do you see that preparation side coming into FCA and athletes? Yeah, so there's basically two two philosophies, I guess, we really embrace with preparation. And it's um, the first is fail to prepare and you prepare to fail. Uh, it's true in any area of life. Um, you're, you're, from a Christian perspective, your fleshly talents can only take you so far, right? I mean, it's like if you don't work on your, your, your craft, your skill, um, discipline your body, then you might be able to wing a game or two but over the length of a season, longevity is going to catch up to you, right? And the second philosophy is that we put in the effort and God determines the outcome. The challenge that comes is when people don't prepare and they don't commit 100% effort-wise. Because two things happen. Then one, they ultimately fail in an area of life. And two, the devil gets after them and starts to question, if God's good, then why this? And that, that becomes a real issue in preparation is they, they use God as like a, uh, almost like a vending machine. Um, but then it's like God wants you to be ready, right? It's the discipline that he, he calls for us all um, to push us to this place of, are you doing what I've asked you to do? Are you ready at all times? You know, you could pick, I mean, choose your scripture, pray without ceasing, right? It just goes on and on and on. Um, so we really embrace those two philosophies and we incorporate it in, I said earlier about the importance of prayer, is that we pray like it depends on him and work like it depends on us. And that's a critical aspect of whether you're an athlete and whether or whether you're just living out your day-to-day faith. So we talk to our athletes about preparation, that what happens on the court and off the court or on the field and off the field, there is no dividing line. The two of them relate. So if you're preparing and taking care of game day, but you're not taking care of this, then eventually one will manifest, and it's, it's the one that's struggling the most. And typically in athletes, they are more conditioned to take care of their physical preparation than they are of their spiritual. And, you know, you'll only be an athlete for so long in your life, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> believe me, I know. <laughs> like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, I'm limping, and I'm sore, and I'm struggling. And Sarah's like, bad night. And I'm like, nope, just the just norm. Me. Right? But it's, it catches up to you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the challenge is, what is your expectation for your faith? Have you put yourself in the best position to thrive this week? You know, they're like, where's God? Where's this? Well, have you been in prayer? Have you been to an FCA? Have you been to a chapel? Have you been to church? If you say church is your home and you've been there one time in six months, what do you expect? You know, um, so we use this analogy physically in preparation for our athletes of, and for those of you who work out who are listening to this, you don't go to a gym and work out your entire body and say, I'm good for the week. Right? You, you work on your shoulders or your back or your legs, and it's a process. That's the preparation for the athlete, and your faith should be the same way. What are you putting in to your faith discipline, preparing for, to put yourself in the best position to succeed? Right? And, and when all that is done and you've given it your very best, God determines the outcome. But if you haven't honored the gifts he's given you or the time he's given you, why would you expect anything other than failure? That's so good. Anything else that you want to share about FCA? Anything that you see coming out of it, coming out of the students or the different huddles and things that you guys are leading? Anything else you want to share? Um, I guess really just a big praise report is, you know, I, I, I've been doing 
FCA ministry for a long time now. I mean, I, I wear basically, much to my wife's frustration, I wear basically one of two clothing items. It's either Wolfpack or FCA, <laughs> and sometimes it's both, right? But when, I, when I'm around town and I'm in a coffee shop or wherever and someone sees an FCA logo and they ask me, are, are you involved with FCA? And, you know, I've been in this for a long time now. I'm the state director, and they don't know me, which is a wonderful feeling, you know. And it becomes even better when they say, oh, my FCA guy or gal is somebody out of a local church. It's not even a staff member. That is just the biggest praise report we can get. And when we see our FCA kids who've got saved from a, a huddle on campus and they're, they're then at a church, like this power camp recently, we had some of our FCA students just roll out and help because they've come from a school, they've got saved, their family's now at church and then they're, they're on mission and they've never met some of our staff. It's all out of the youth pastor network, the volunteer network. That is our desire. You know, it's, it's our hope and our prayer that for our staff, we essentially work ourselves out of jobs that the FCA ministry becomes a, bow, a string in the bow for every church. They run with it, and we're like, well, what do we do, you know? So we're getting there. Bit by bit by bit, we are getting there. There's more and more churches taking ownership of um, local high schools or middle schools as FCA simply as the conduit flowing both ways. And uh, Life Church, obviously, launching us has been a great model for that. Um, but I also think it speaks to the, the church unity in South Reno. You know, having other great churches like Livingstones and Hope and RCF in this community, seeing these guys come together and they go, when they're on campus, their number one goal is to see kids in church. And obviously, they'd love to see them at your youth group or our youth group. But if they go somewhere else, it's still this legitimate praise God. They are in the kingdom. And that unity deal, you know, I've read the end of the book. <laughs> Jesus isn't coming back for FCA. Yeah. He's not coming back for Life Church. He's not coming back for Hope Church. Yeah. He's coming back for the church. And the more we work like that and surf together, it's it's music to my ears. So we love it. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I think walking into this next week, this first week of Advent, preparing for Christmas, preparing our hearts, um, what's something that is maybe a tradition for your family or something meaningful for your family that brings you guys hope, brings you back to that preparation for celebrating this next season? Well, yes, that's a great question as well, because you talk about cultures earlier on, right? We really embrace in our family St. Nicholas Day. So the heart behind St. Nicholas, obviously a Christian saint. So we do a lot of the gift stuff and the start of December. Um, we do it on the 6th of December. So then we set ourselves up for the rest of the month to really focus on, this is our Lord and Savior That's coming cool. to earth. That's awesome. Um, it, it, so you're kind of flipping it, essentially. Yeah, we do. We ah, absolutely do. That's so, cool. you know, uh, the European influence was my sister lived in in Germany. We would go over and they do, they don't do, they do St. Nicholas Day too. So the whole Christmas markets, everything is geared, even in a quote unquote godless country now, everything is geared towards Christ's wow. mass. Yeah. And so we really have embraced that. Um, so we set ourselves up as best we can, you know, within our family that, the, the gift stuff's out of the way. Uh, we've got kids. They love gifts, right? Um, but then the rest of the month is really focused on the magnitude of let's not miss this. Let's prepare our hearts and mind to really celebrate that the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, is putting on flesh and bone and he's coming to walk amongst us. And that is 
like, I mean, under Pastor Tom, he really used to live that when I was with him at the Vineyard Church, and it's just something that's just stuck with us, you know, that let's get Christmas in our hearts, what it is all about, back to what it's all about, and really push that. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time well, so you. much. Yeah.